0: Good morning. It is Masters Week, one of my favorite weeks of the year. Joining us now is the 2003 Masters winner, none other than Canada claims him, but that's the whole country. We claim him here locally, so it's a little, a uh, little smaller. He is Utah zone, BYU grad, uh, played golf there. Mike Weir. Mike, good morning. How you doing? Morning, PK. Thanks
1: for having me on.
0: Yeah, excited. You know, for me, I, you know me. I'm a big golf fan. I look forward to spring, and i got to have two things that mark the advent of spring. One is opening day in Major League Baseball, and we've already had that. And the second, I don't care what the calendar says, literally I view spring has arrived when I turn on that television and I am watching the masters for me, it is a highlight and I'm glad it's back when it's supposed to be. I was glad that you guys played it in November. I was okay with that under the circumstances, but I'm super glad that it's back to where it belongs. It is a rite of passage for me every single year. I'm wondering as a tour player, how much extra does the adrenaline get going and the heart start pumping when you're driving down Magnolia Lane and all that stuff, that famed road, knowing that you're going to play in the Masters?
1: Yeah, I mean it, it's definitely extra, and and like you, I you know as a kid growing up in Canada, you know we had you know fairly similar climates here as Utah, and you know I remember when I was 16 watching Jack Nicklaus and the weather was just kind of breaking and running inside to, to watch the tournament at, at my home club and watching Jack and then running outside to the putting green to pretend I was Jack Nicklaus. And, you know, it was kind of like the same thing. You know, when, when, when spring's here, the Masters is here, and and now to be able to play in it and, and been lucky enough to win it, it's still I still get chilled every time I, I get there, anticipating getting there, flying in. And the first time you drive down Magnolia Lane for the week, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of things come flooding back. And, you know, a lot of excitement and anticipation, you know, in the air, you know, kind of coming in there Monday to get registered and and get ready. Um, Yeah, it's an exciting time.
0: Yeah, I can imagine for you, you're a veteran, you're 50, I think you turn 51 next month because I know we talked to you and you told us you were shooting for this, I I call it the senior tour, I can't call it that anymore, as you corrected me, the (laughs) Champions Tour. uh, That starts when you're 50. We saw... uh, uh, down to Tucson, how'd you not flip off Sutherland when he chipped in on that? What was it, sixteen?
1: <laughs> yeah, what a shot! What a shot that was. You know, it was the only birdie on that hole all day. Apparently, the hole was playing very difficult. And yeah, I mean, man, um, you know, I played well, and and you know, he just played a little bit better. You know, down the stretch, you know, the guys who win usually, you know, unless you run away with the tournament. But there's obviously some swings down the stretch, and, and he made a great chip in. And 17th hole, I don't know if you've ever ever played there, PK, but it's a bit of an awkward hole. You know, it was playing straight downwind. It was almost impossible to hit the fairway uh, because the fairway's sloping away from you downwind. And you just kind of bang driver out there, and you hope, you know, there's a few trees there, but, you know, you you think you're going to get a gap that you're going to have a shot at the green, and he did and I didn't. And um, He made a birdie to to take the lead there. So, um, but at the same time, you know, I'm playing well, and and it just showed me that my game's in a good place kind of coming into uh, this week.
0: So even though you're a veteran and you've already got the green jacket, you accomplished the ultimate goal as far as I'm concerned. Still the competitive juices flow, and you still want to compete.
1: Oh, no doubt. Um, Especially now at this stage. You know, PK, I I had a a tough run of years where a number of different things, but um, I felt like some years were were missing in my career, you know. Right. Uh, I don't know if I want to say taken away from me some what the injury was and some other things but um, I've got this rejuvenation I even though I'm 50 I I feel kind of rejuvenated that I missed a lot of time Um, I missed a lot of uh, I feel like good time and now I'm at a place where my game is good you know it's it's not the level of top players in the world but it's it's in a good place and I feel like when I go into Augusta I think that the good vibes and feelings I have there and in augusta more than any other place is is a mindset I, I really truly believe that you have to have all your wits about you pulling out the shots you know it's kind of cliche to say committed to the you know to the shot at the moment but there's if you hit a shot a little indecisive ah, maybe it should maybe I should hit a six iron or hard seven and you walk in there without a clear picture man you'll make a double or triple bogey so fast <laughs> it'll make your head spin so I think the mindset there more than any other tournament is is really imperative and and that's what i'm kind of going in there with and i think experience um, helps there
0: interesting comment <laughs> on the mindset now none of us uh, i don't think in our listeners uh, on the zone here have been to your level and can put ourselves into that spot but if we're amateur golfers and i've been pretty much since about 12 13 years old uh, i can relate to uh, on a very small scale here, let's not uh, kid, my, I don't want to kid myself, but, you know, you talk about which club to use and being able to sell yourself on the shot. I play with mm-hmm. a guy, his name is Brent Jones. I don't know if you know him. He coached a little bit about, uh, down at BYU when you were down yeah. there, I think. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so he lives around the corner from me, and we play in a little men's league on uh, tuesdays and he's really helped me with my game and his big thing is man be sold on the shot and it's interesting that even on your level you've got to be sold on the shot if there's any type of indifference you're basically saying you're hosed
1: yeah you are i mean you know Augusta. i think you know it's a good lesson for you know club golfers you know aspiring tour players and and elite players i mean this is it's basically the same thing as, as being committed to your shot i i tell my buddies when i'm playing with them when they hit man i can't hit it today i'm like well what was what were you focused on you know where you he's like oh, i wasn't you know i was just trying to hit it out there i'm like well you gotta you gotta pick some kind of a target out there you know you, you know those kind of little details um they get a little more enhanced and they get very enhanced at Augusta the national and you know, when the pin's sitting up on a little tier and you're, you know, your landing area is literally four or five yards, if you're indecisive, you know, at your home club, that shot still might be okay, 20 feet left of the hole, but at a Guts National, that might hit a slope and be 50 feet or might land four yards too far and go over the back of the green and you have this diabolical chip that you have to be very uh, cute with, I'd say, and you can leave it short or you can hit it by, and next thing you know, you're walking off with a triple bogey because it's... Your next shot is that much more difficult. So, those those are the little things I think that really play out at Augusta National more than any other tournament. Is that um, you, you may barely miss a shot offline, but then your next one, because you've you've hit it in the wrong spot, is very very becomes very very difficult. So, um, from what I've heard, they, they had their big member tournament there two weeks ago. The greens are very firm. Um, so we didn't have that in November. There was it was like throwing darts in November. The course was soft. I think you'll see the course play pretty darn firm. And you'll see some of these things. You'll see some guys with – doesn't look like that difficult a shot on TV, but it's so firm and so fast that you have such a small landing area to land maybe a chip shot to get it close to the hole. And if you miss that spot, you're 30 feet away. Um, And that's Augusta National.
0: (laughs) I just got queasy in my stomach when you're saying that. (laughs) Mike Weir, former Masters champion, joining us. Now, for the guys who've won it, and are a little older is when you get uh, to the area uh, how do you balance competing but actually socializing with the guys and maybe having somewhat of a you know, a little bit of a reunion so to speak
1: yeah I mean there's there's definitely some of that on Tuesday night in the in the champions uh, with the champions dinner and we have a you know a little reception before we sit down for dinner and mingle around a little bit and catch up with with everybody, and that's that's what makes another part of the week that makes it very special for me now is to be part of that group and to you know, sit around and and you know talk with Jack Nicholas and and talk with Gary Player and Ray Floyd and you know the names go on and on and, um, and kind of be in the middle of that that gap of the younger guys with Jordan Spieth and you know Adam Scott and some of the younger guys that have won Thatcher Creed and Bubba Watson and then you have you know you have Jack Nicholas and. Tom Watson and these other guys and Gary player. And, and then I'm, I'm kind of in the middle. So I'm, it's, it's great to hear the stories of the past from these guys and, and see how the games evolved in the last 20 years. So it's kind of a fun place to be. Okay, Mike,
0: I got a question that you uh, never gotten and you're never going to get. I'm pretty sure of that <laughs> okay. but that's what I do. Right. So I'm giving you one choice. You can only choose one. So for the rest of your life, you get to go to the champion's dinner versus for the afterlife. You get to go to heaven. Which one you choosing?
1: (laughs) Oh man. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Uh, I'm not sure of my belief system and all that, so I'm, I'm sticking with the champion's dinner because I don't know where we're going after, so I'm, I'm going to stick with the champion's dinner.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I can't imagine that. How cool is that? Sports, whatever sport, they've all got their traditions, uh, whatever they might be, but you're talking about the champion's dinner, and one of the things that I think is so awesome with golf is that you really uh, you don't necessarily fade out of view. You know, Jack, and obviously he's the extreme example. And, you know, hitting the the, the, the ceremonial ter- first shot with Gary Blair mm-hmm. and then Arnold Palmer when he was alive. But I love the way golf blends its past, recent past, long-term past. It just meshes it together with the what's going on in the actual golf world now and it seems like there's a great timeline there and i think that that champions dinner probably best illustrates it
1: yeah yeah i I would agree i think you know well i think that and the you know the other things that there is longevity in, in our sport you can continue to play with champions tour so you know other sports. You know you might be done at thirty. You know in football you might be done earlier than that. Basketball early thirties, and, and um, but golf you can con- continue to play well. Guys, look at Steve Stricker and Bernard Longer. Guys from their mid fifties, even early sixties, still playing well and, and doing some awesome things. And yet their goals might be a little bit different, but they're still able to accomplish their their own their own things. You know on the Champions Tour and their own their own goals. So I think that is is really special about golf too, and that we're always working on it you know arnold palmer was always working on a swing and trying to find something better with his putting and i sit beside gary player at the champion's dinner he's always talking about mike if i can get my club just a little more across the line i can get five more yards you know i can get five more yards and i'm already beating my age by 15 i want to beat it by 17 you know he's just things like that that keep you know uh keep yourself motivated It's it's pretty inspiring
0: yeah golf's a lifetime sport when you think about it i mean not just at your level but Duffers like yeah. me, yeah, can continue to play 60s and hopefully 60s and 70s and going forward yeah. on that. So when you say you sit next to Gary Player, is it assigned seating? How does that
1: work? No, it's not assigned seating. It's just we've all kind of fallen into our our little spots at the, at the head of the table. And November was different because we they had us a little bit more spread out because of COVID, and I'm not sure if they'll do that again this year. But normally we're all at one big table and uh, after we take our our annual photo everybody just kind of goes to their spots and it seems like gary players at the one end and myself and dj and trevor Emmelman and adam scott and nick faldo and we all kind of um charles cootie is down there as well we're all kind of down at the end of the table um it's kind of like the back of the classroom there we're all back in the back of the classroom (laughs) telling stories and um, and Gary Player's the ringleader. He's he's telling all kinds of great stories about uh, the past and the great players of the past. It's really fun.
0: Yeah, and that's cool. It's guys from all over the world too. That's another thing about golf. It's mm-hmm. really a, you know a world game. And you've just mentioned player and Faldo and others, uh, Adam Scott. Those are not Americans. They've made their right. mark here, obviously in, in the version of the U.S. Tour. But those are not native-born Americans. The thing about the Masters, and maybe it's across the board. Uh, In other tournaments, too, but I especially see it at the Masters. The winner, uh, particularly if it's a first-time winner, I can't remember if you were in that situation, but Dustin Johnson last year, he's being interviewed, and he can barely speak. He's overcome with emotion and all these things that must be just flooding through him. What What is that like when you win, when you're actually the last man standing and you win that green jacket and you're in the literal moment, which you have been, uh, what are all those emotions that are going through these? We've saw, seen Bubba Watson, and the list goes on as far as that goes, of just almost to the point of mm-hmm. bowling. And Dustin last year had a hard time speaking. Can you describe the, all the emotions that run through you at that time?
1: Oh boy. It's, it's hard to describe. I guess it's, um, it all goes back for me. I can only speak for me. It just goes back to almost what we talked about the, the beginning of this a chat was, you know, the, the rite of spring and, and myself watching golf falling in love with golf and Jack Nicholas at the masters in 86. Yeah. I loved golf before that, but that tournament in particular and watching Jack at the masters in 86, you know, maybe you really want to be a professional golfer and, you know, for me, when I was done on the eight, or sorry, on the tenth hole after the playoff, to my brother and my dad um, be there and to finally be able to—I think—you know, you're you're so focused for that many days in a row, and to finally let off the pedal a little bit and just absorb it, and uh, you know, you just kind of overwhelm, like, holy, you know what? Like, I I, I did this. <laughs> I, I can't believe I was able to stay focused and and not let the moment get a hold of me and, and, uh, and mess it up. You know, I was able able to actually kind of pull it all through. So, you know, I think that's why guys are overcome with emotion. I was, I certainly was before, before I went into the interview with, uh, in the Butler cabin with, when Tiger put the jacket on with me with the chairman and Jim um, I had a moment just to splash some water on my face for a second before I, it all happens pretty fast after the playoff, and I had you know 20 seconds to wash some water on my face and look in the mirror, and just just unbelievable, you know, feeling that uh, of accomplishment of all, all your dreams from you know going back to when you're a kid. So, uh, yeah. and then then I have the utmost respect for guys like Jack and Tiger who've done it, you know, 18 times, 15 times. It's like how how do they get themselves there in that mental state that meant that often. Not only winning them, but like to you know be in that moment for uh, so often, it's, it's really hard to do.
0: Yeah, that's what I want to ask you, Mike. we Masters winner joining us. He's going to be playing this week in the Masters. As far as, you know, that concentration, I mean, I have a hard time concentrating completely the way I need to be on a single hole. Forget about four days of 18. I can only mm-hmm. imagine the mental strain. How difficult is it when you're out there to stay in that moment? Because I think that's a requirement that you must have to be successful at your
1: level. Yeah. That is, I mean, it, you know, uh, you know, I've done it a few times. You're uh, you're chasing that. You want to be able to do that. Um, I don't I don't know what interference kind of gets in the way, whether it's the expectations or the anticipation of maybe winning a tournament that pulls you out of it. But it is it's hard to get yourself in a state where you're you're just focused on the moment and that shot with people yelling, all the movement, other players making birdies, all that noise going on around you, but you're able to at least in my case, that's what I tried to do is just find a way to kind of block all that stuff out. And, um, you know, Jack Nicklaus was, you know, talked about how, how he would just kind of go into his own world and, uh, you know, kind of have this picture of this movie running in his head of exact shot, how he wanted it, to, uh, the trajectory of the shot, how he wanted the ball to land. He visualized so well. I think Tiger was a lot the same way. So I haven't been able to tap it as much as those guys, but when you do tap into that and you're able to create that in the in the biggest moments, um, and and put everything else aside. That's that's kind of the ultimate. So, for me, the Masters, I was able to do that for seventy two holes. Um, and it's just, I think that's when you're finally done, and and you, you happen to win one. Yeah, you know, these these things kind of overcome you, and you're um, you're overcome with emotion.
0: Yeah, for sure. Is it uh, we we always we, we forecast going in NBA playoffs? You know who do we think is going to win and and NFL whatever it might be, uh, particularly in the media. But I even think fans fans do it too. We try to ha- we come up with our own idea of how it's going to play out. I, I sort of view the the Masters as somewhat of a, an impossible situation to try to predict. Do you think it's possible if, if you're playing well, can you continue it? If you're not playing well, can you turn it on? The point being, is there any way that that any of us can really pick who's going to A, contend, and then B, win?
1: Uh, I think it's, it's difficult to do nowadays because it's, it's so competitive out there. and There's so many great, talented players, but I always right. look to the guys. You know, the year I won there, I was playing very well. I won a couple times earlier in the year. My confidence was high. I was in a nice flow with my game. Now, there's always aberrations, guys. I remember Jose Maria Thobel saying that he had, you know, missed the cut and you know hadn't played well, and all of a sudden he got in there. <clears throat> the second time he won there, and he, you know he just kind of got the the good vibes going again uh, through Augusta National, just playing the golf course and the practice rounds, and that really helped him. But most of the time, it's guys who are playing well um, and. It's hard to flip the switch at Augusta. It can be done, but I would look to the guys that are really playing well and putting well. Uh, guys who have great short games, um, and but then then you're narrowing it down. But it's still hard to predict a winner. But I think you can kind of narrow it down maybe to the you know 20 guys.
0: Yeah, if I remember correctly, at your point, I remember watching on television. Uh, you won what I call the Bob Hope uh, Palm Springs. I don't know what it's called or what was it called did, then, yeah. and and then the uh, L.A. Open, right? That's what I. Uh, yeah,
1: and then I won L.A. And, um, I, I finished. I think I finished second, maybe at Pebble Beach too. So I was really playing well. Um, I, I really had a great West Coast, and so right. my confidence was high. And I had a bit of chip on my shoulder too because early in the week I didn't get asked into the media center as like one of the favorites. And I kind of use that. I, I use that a little bit. Like I thought, you know what? Here I am. I've won twice. I finished second, third. No one's playing better than me yet. You know, no one. No one thinks I'm going to win here. So I use that a little bit. That, Sweet. Um, they were just thinking, you know, it's a long, a long players, uh, right? Uh, you know, golf course because it was wet and playing long. But um, there's, that's where I go back to. There's something to be said for confidence and belief and mindset going in there. And my short game was great and. So I think I think that you have to really look at that if you're if you're looking to pick somebody, you gotta look at those aspects. Somebody who's really mentally tough and someone who has a great short game too. Well,
0: Mike, thanks for joining us on the zone. We'll be watching you and good luck. Yeah. Appreciate it, PK. Thanks, man. All right. That's Mike Weir, two thousand three Masters winner joining us as the Masters starts obviously on Thursday. We'll have full coverage. I'm sure we'll be having Bob Caster and Bob Casper and Brian Taylor joining us. I love The Masters, look forward to it every single year. I'm going to be all over it and we'll be all over it as a station. So stay with us 975 1280 the Zone.